It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Final. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode, our 80th episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, as always, along with Chris Lisa. And today we're joined for the full hour of the show by our team colleague, Dana Lane. Boys, welcome to the show. A lot to cover this week, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, yes, we've got a lot of news. we got a lot of news and notes. We've got to uh, review the end of round two and preview round three. Well, Dana, as everybody knows, the play-by-play voice of UNLV Hockey, he is the co-host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline Monday through Friday, 1 to 2, a. 1 to 2 p.m. on 1400 a.m. With, with Brian Blessing and also premier handicapper at sbrsports.com. Dana, thanks for giving us your whole hour of your Saturday today. We appreciate it. And uh, for Chris, he's the lead contributor at Ion Isles FS. Dot com, writing about the Islanders. Uh, you could follow him on Twitter at the NL King, and you can always find Dana on Twitter at Dana Lane NHL. So uh, let's break the ice. I know Chris is hot and heavy to talk about uh, where the Capitals need to go this week. So since since Penguins are moving on to play Ottawa, we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's uh, let's look back a little bit at the second round, starting with Penn's Caps. Uh, Chris, what's up with the Caps? Where do they need to go? Well, they, this is a, there's no rest for the weary. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get into uh, that game seven the other night. But uh, Brian McClellan and uh, Barry Trotz have a lot of big decisions to make. Um, they have five key 
uh, unrestricted free agents come July 1st, and T.J. Oshie, Justin Williams, Daniel Winnick, Paul Alzener, and Kevin Shattenkirk. And believe it or not, it, at most I can see them re-signing one of them, at most. And I would say it's more likely they don't re-sign any of them. They're, they're already committed uh, $50 million towards the cap next year. Uh, and they and that and they still have to sign. They have three key restricted, actually four key restricted free agents this summer. And uh, Gavin Knetsov, um, Dmitry Orlov, Nate Schmidt, and Andre uh, Borovsky. So when you you know you add up that money, you know spending depending upon how they want to tackle it. Um, if they want to sign some of those guys, which I think they would, uh, especially Orlov and uh, Knetsov, who are 24 and 25 the long-term extensions, you're looking at, you know, five to six million per year cap hit with a flat cap coming in. Uh, you can see how the math does not really add up. Throw in the fact that John Carlson, who's only 27, believe it or not, is only one year away from unrestricted free agency. So do they work out an extension for him this year? He's 3.9 against the cap on his contract. So obviously he would be in line for a big raise as well. Something to consider in terms of the were interested in re-signing any of those uh, current pending UFAs. And and I'll, I'll throw this, you know, there's a lot of talk about Ovechkin, maybe is it possible, you know, trade rumors, you know, forget that. Uh, not with a 9.5 cap hit and for many other reasons as well. But one guy would yeah, that's be the that got moved, yeah, is uh, Braden Holpe. Holpe is signed for $6.1 million for the next three years. A team like Calgary, who got shut out on Ben Bishop, it sounds like would like to uh, get a strong number one goalie, uh, give their kids time, uh, their two top uh, young prospect goalies time to do a little bit more time to develop. You know, uh, maybe a Hopi to Calgary for a Dougie Hamilton trade. Keep in mind, uh, Washington has Phil Grubauer. They can then go out and sign a, uh, a veteran uh, number two goalie. And they have the number one goalie prospect in the sport in Ilian Samsonov, who's not ready for the NHL next year, but is not that far away. He could be here in the next year or two. So that's something, again, it would take uh, – they're not going to trade Hopi for, for draft picks and a prospect. They'd be looking for an experienced player, a proven player like the Dougie Hamilton that they could put in their lineup, especially if they were going to lose two defensemen like uh, Olsener and Shattenkirk. So a lot on the board for the Caps this offseason. Well, let me throw this over to Dana. Was that the the slamming of the window for the Caps that we heard in Game 7 or Game 6? Well, I don't know. Uh, Is it a slamming of the window or or a better window opening? Because obviously with this current group that they have right now, there's something going on there that it just enables them to not get past the second round. I think it's what the the ninth uh, year that they've had Ovechkin and they haven't been able to get past the second round. And, of course, you know, the same thing, kind of a, a little bit of a streak with Barry Trotz as well. And, you know, the culture right. that they have cultivated there right now just is not working. So, yeah, yeah, perhaps it's going – I mean, this is certainly going to change. Like was pointed out, I mean, uh, you know, you you have guys like Oshie and you have Justin Williams and Kuznetsov and Winnick and all these guys, uh, Burakovsky. I mean, all these guys are – UFAs this year, the, the, you know, and Shattenkirk is not going to be back. So 
there is there's going to be a huge turnover there. And I completely agree that this talk about Alexander Ovechkin going anywhere <laughs> is completely hideous. As long as you look in the stands and there's Alexander Ovechkin jerseys being sold left and right, he's not going anywhere, regardless of you know what anybody what everybody anybody says. And there's people that like to cook up these deals because it just kind of sounds good and creates interest and puts puts the spotlight on themselves. But believe me, there's no Alexander Ovechkin is not going anywhere. They're going to continue to build around him because the the bottom line is, if it wasn't for you know, I mean, he's still one of the I would say premier players in the National Hockey League. I don't know, maybe Barry Trotz does yeah. differently because he's you know puts him on the third line and somehow can't find more than 16 minutes a game for him. But um, well, he was injured too. Now. Is, he he had a couple. Oh, yeah, he had, no, he, no blew, he blew his knee up and he blew his hamstring out. So a little bit a oh, little bit of credit there. Well, absolutely, and and, and not and not to say and not to be uh, not to discredit him in any way. I'm just you know there's a lot of guys that are hurt, and obviously that uh, that Twitter picture was was fantastic that his uh, his wife sent out. But um, you know the fact of the matter is that this is a guy that you're going to build around. There's no way he's going anywhere. Right. Uh, but I do think that there has to be a culture change in Washington because the current culture is just not going to get it done against other teams who have a winning culture, i.e. the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, well, spe- speaking of, point, spe- uh, uh, let me, let me one quick, quick, quick point on the caps. Once again, they didn't come through. This is a franchise that has had so many, top teams uh, that have no Stanley Cups, which is pretty crazy to think about it. But one thing to remember, that they lost last year in a long series to the Pittsburgh Penguins, was the eventual Stanley Cup, uh, became the Stanley Cup champion. I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that the Penguins are, well, Dana, we know better than I, huge favorites from this point on to win the Cup again, and they lost in seven. I, I get it. There's, uh, there's, what's the expression? There's uh there's no good losses, or there's no pretty losses, but it's not like the no moral victories in the playoffs. No, there yeah, exactly. But at the same token, it, you know they they played a pretty good series. It's not like they're losing to teams uh, they're supposed uh, that clearly they're head and shoulders above. I get it where the franchise is at and where they need to get to. They need to win that cup. I totally get it. But you know Pittsburgh is is a, a pretty remarkable team in their own right and I dare to say I don't think there's there's very few teams the last few years who could have contended with that penguin team that played the third period the other night let me let me go back a little bit and uh eat a little bit of crow real quick uh we were doing our playoff preview show and I, I challenged both of you guys to give me a reason why the Capitals could not win the Stanley Cup and both of you left the uh left the obvious answer on the table. That reason was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that as well, um, and it's not even just about the Penguins, although, you know, the, the Penguins find a way to beat their biggest rival every single year, um, ex- excluding, I think, one year. Um, it, it's the ease in which, well, even take the Philadelphia series last year or even the Toronto series this year. You know, the series that a – President's Cup trophy winning team should win fairly easily. And although I, I, this year was in six games, and I think you know, last year was also in six games to the Flyers, you didn't feel like they were dominant. You didn't feel like 
this team is head and shoulders above what what Philadelphia was, or even what you know the the Rangers were uh, three years ago. I just I yeah, felt not like at all. when when they're playing teams that they should be, with the eyeball test should say they are definitively better. They are definitively not better. They are getting they are winning these series with, with talent, and then when it comes to series where they have to find some guts and some grit, that is where they they get into some trouble. Yep. Let me. Uh, uh, let me. Crisis, crisis of confidence too. I will agree with you on the Flyers series, although they were three zero, and I think they got ahead of themselves. You know, the Maple Leafs played great. I, I know on paper, I thought that was going to be not as tough a series as it was, but Toronto did play uh, top to bottom a, a great series, and when they screwed up, Richard Anderson bailed them out. Yeah, for sure. Let me back up a little bit. I kind of jumped over a few things we wanted to get to here at the start of the thing. We had some some uh, off off season news from from Dallas. They traded, I believe, the fourth pick to the Kings for Ben Bishop, and then signed him to the is it five years, twenty nine million? I think I saw for Bishop. Six years, and then 29, six, six years, six years, twenty nine, twenty nine and a half. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so now, before they get rid of Niemi, what is what does that make? They got eighteen million dollars tied up in goalie salary. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I I talked with our friend Matt Pryor, and, and Niemi is the one that's going to go. Lettinen has one more year on his deal, so he'll be the backup. Um, that that blows my dark horse for the Knights out because that was the guy that I had targeted. Um, hoping that that would be someone that, you know, that would have been a really nice cap hit for a, a young franchise to start with that quality of a goaltender. But uh, so there goes my dark horse goalie for the Knights, but King signed Tanner Pearson for your deal. 3.75 per um, good deal. Good deal for him. Good deal for the Kings as well. Um, second leading goal scorer on the team this year really came into his own as a really all around two way player. Um, it's going to, Chris alluded to the fact that that's going to raise eyebrows from Tyler Toffoli on what he thinks he should get. But I think bottom line, Tanner Pearson's proving that while Toffoli may have a higher ceiling as far as offensive talent, I think Pearson is going to be the more valuable uh, commodity going forward. So I think if they offer Tyler that same deal, if I was him, I'd take it. <laughs> um, we had the 2018 yeah, Winter Classic announced. Well, go ahead if you want to jump in any time, guys. Yeah, real yeah, real quick point on Toffoli. I would say this. Would I be surprised if he took a bridge deal that I'm not sure when he becomes a UFA uh, in terms of a bridge deal and take a two-year deal at that, around that three, $3.75, $4 million number uh, and then get to free agency uh, once that contract in, ends? No, but if the Kings want to lock up Toffoli to, let's say, a six- or seven-year deal, with that high ceiling in mind, him and his agent are going to want the, the contracts that Forsberg and McKinnon and those uh, and those uh, and Uberdo. He's just as good as those players. Uh, or I don't think so. In those classes, I don't think so. Um, I think I, I think that's where they're going to want. Otherwise, you're looking at probably a two year, another two year deal for Tripoli. Well, I, I I don't think he's in that category at all, based on this year and and even last year. Um, he seems to get lost for, I mean, he can go on spurts where he can put in, you know, nine goals in, in 18 games, <coughs> excuse me. But then for the next 18 games, he'll score twice. Um, 
I think it might be in his best interest to take a two-year deal and prove that he can bring some form of consistency sure. to it to his game. Um, uh, as a Kings fan, um, locking up Tanner for that cap hit for the next four years, I think bodes well for him, and I and for the for the team. I think maybe he might be more valuable to the Kings going forward than Toffoli is right now. Um, I, that's just me, but he plays a good a good two way style of hockey. He's much more physical than Toffoli, and if he's going to score twice as many goals as Toffoli scores in the season as well, um, it's hard. You could say that their agent are going to want that kind of money, but um, you're going to go in there and look at Tanner Pearson's salary and say, well, he scored twice as much as us. Um, Tanner plays more on the, on special teams than than we do, but we still want six million a year. I don't know how that goes over with the new the new uh, the new regime there in, in Los Angeles. So, um, 2018 Winter Classic, City Field, Sabers, Rangers. Um, Got to get the big markets involved, right? Back to New York, we go with the Winter Classic again. Um, let's see. Sabres hire Jason Botterell as, as GM, associate GM of the Pens, now goes over to Buffalo. Young cat, 40 years old, might change might change a little bit of the culture. I'm still waiting to see who they bring in as, as, as head coach. Um, there's, apparently there's some work that needs to be done in that locker room to get some, some, some players in line. Um, Dana, have you heard anything about the coaching search for Buffalo? Well, I, I mean, I know that uh, Phil Housley's name has, has come up. And, that would words, be perfect. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that, that to me is, uh, is the guy that, you know, that's the guy that you can work with. And that's a guy that is a yeah. proven commodity. And I think that, uh, you know, talking to, talking to people and reading a lot of stuff coming out of Buffalo, I mean, I think – I know Brian Blessing loves, loves, uh, loves Housley and was hoping that we, he would come to Vegas in some capacity. But – you know that certainly is the name that that I would be be choosing at this point. But you know, I mean, as far as Botterill is concerned, I mean, everything that I hear, I mean, he's the complete opposite of Murray. There's a there's a confidence about him. You know, when he speaks, you can certainly see that um, he seems like he's a good guy. Um, I don't know exactly what happened with Tim Murray because there was some some people that were divided on and how they felt about Tim Murray, but. Uh, I certainly thought that once Botterill's name came up, that he was really the only co- the, the only candidate at that time. And of course, right. uh, now his focus is to have a, a coach in place, at least by the draft. I'm sure. Um, I will miss Tim guys, Murray at the draft podium, though. I will miss Tim Murray at the draft podium. He was good for, for sure. <laughs> good for a quote every year at the draft podium. So that's something that will be sorely missed around draft day for sure. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and for me, uh, the big question about the Sabres is ownership. Uh, I guess Bordarelli, uh who seems like a, you know, one of those, uh, you know, rising stars, if you will, uh, on those uh, assistant levels. So he he uh, got past that, but not just when you see how they've handled the Sabres this past year, uh, or these past couple of months, uh, the the Pagulas, but you know also how they've run the Bills as well. You know, they fired their general manager and his staff right after the big draft weekend. I mean, you just shake your head of what's going on and how they're running their, their sports team. Yeah. So yep. that, 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 that's a big question for me. But, again, a guy like this uh, who could have – you know, he's only 40. If he, he, he didn't have to take this job as 
as crazy as that might sound, is a GM job at the NHL, and it has a uh, a lot of uh, some good young talent on it. But if he did not, doing his due diligence, feel comfortable, he could have waited a year from now and uh, for another situation. So that's a good sign, I guess, for Saber fans that he came on board. Well, I will well, say this about Hasley. Really... If, uh, if the reports that came out from uh, Bilesma, um, water bottles getting thrown at him and, and this and that um, are all true, uh, I'll tell you what, if anyone throws a water bottle at Housley, they're going to get punched in the mouth. <laughs> that's that's going to get control of that room real quick. Um, I, I, I believe he's the, the fourth highest scoring defenseman and the highest scoring USA defenseman um, of all time. Somewhere somewhere in that category. But he's a tough SOB yeah. too. Um, no one's going to be throwing water bottles at, at Coach, Coach Housley and fill this up. Um, that's gonna that's gonna stop immediately. So uh, I'll, I'll just make that point. I think he might be the perfect fit at the perfect time for that team. Uh, go ahead, Dana. Well, so I, I was just gonna say what's gonna be interesting about this, and of course the, the difference is that you know Murray basically had to start over from scratch and start rebuilding his team, and you know obviously uh, the uh, obviously they're not gonna have to do that now because you have a bona fide superstar and. Um, in in um, um, Eichel, and I think what what is going to be interesting is what's going to happen with Evander Kane. And I kind of we we go back and forth on this a lot uh, as well on the show about Evander because you know I feel like uh, he's earned his time there. I mean, this is a guy that you know obviously he's had some history but obviously he puts up numbers as well i mean and if this guy stays healthy he's a you know a bona fide 25 to 30 goal guy if not a 30 goal guy um and, and for a team that lacks scoring and desperately needs scoring i just don't think that you get rid of those guys as easily um, as some people would like even though he's right. got a checkered background but last year was pretty solid for him uh, you didn't hear anything much of him. I don't love the fact that he, you know, he never met a shot he didn't like. But as the season went on towards the end, he went to the net a lot harder. And um, I thought his play improved dramatically. Now, I think that there is a identity crisis in the Buffalo locker room. I, I, Eichel certainly, as he showed at the end of the year, is certainly the leader. And he's willing to take that, that role on. But um, as far as the guys around him, I think that they need to uh, they they need to build his supporting cast up a lot better than what it is right now. Even though there are some young guys that you know potentially could uh, make an impact, but you know, like uh, like I say all the time, I, I'm not going to you know we we talk all the time about the Anaheim Ducks and you know how their defensemen are are going going to be great and they're going to do this and and that. Well. You know, not everybody evolves into what you think they're going to evolve into. And I would like to get a, at least another veteran presence there uh, besides what they have right now to kind of solidify uh, the Buffalo Sabres moving forward. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Let me go back. Let me go back and clear up my uh, Phil Housley stat there real quick. Uh, second leading scorer amongst all U.S. born players from the blue line, 1,232 points. Uh, he was first overall amongst U.S players until Madonna passed him um that's so I just want I just wanted to clear that up I had my stats wrong and I looked it up so uh yeah I think I think his 
bona fides are, are self-evident. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I think Dana brings up great points about Kane. Having said that, he's entering the, the walk year, uh, and then he's going to be a, UFA, a UFA. Uh Again, I think uh, it's the combination, right, of two different stops, two different off-ice incidents. And, you know, if you go back and look at his career the last few years, he's missed a chunk of time uh, in seasons close to around 20 games a year. So if I was the Sabres, I would want to uh, see how he plays next year. A, make sure he stays out of trouble. B, that he can be healthy and and a productive player on the ice. If all those signs point to that, uh, then I have a decision to make. But I would not sign him this summer. Uh, I would want to see that. uh, That's correct. Yep. you know, and you know what? In today's cap world, you, it, it's it's very hard to have a guy like George McPhee said on this show. You can get rid of a bad player. You can't get rid of a bad contract. So it, even if he does all that, and they you know sign him to a five-year, five and a half million dollar per deal, uh, and he scores thirty goals, you know the Sabers are taking a risk based on on those two things uh, going forward too. Uh, so that's something uh, to consider. I, I wouldn't envy them the position they would be in making that call if he if he has a strong year. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I would do, to be quite honest. All right, well, that's about the news of the week. Um, most of the important off-season, deal, or off-season news uh, jumping in. Um, let's, let's take another – let's go back and take another look at the other Eastern Conference series – um, that finished up Rangers Ottawa. Dana, I want to get your take. <coughs> Ottawa, excuse me. Ottawa seems to be the team, and I'm guilty as well. And we had a Ottawa writer on the show that uh, was just bemoaning the fact that they were in second place in January and thought they were overachieving, and just uh, a number nine finish or a first round exit wouldn't do them any good at, as far as draft picks and the growth of the I think he said picking picking 15th overall for the next three years isn't going to help this group but then you open your eyes and uh, they're in the Eastern Conference final um is this Rangers not uh not living up to what they were supposed to do or or is this Ottawa just really playing their style of hockey and and flat out winning the series <laughs> isn't it crazy about this Ottawa team I mean uh, yeah, yeah. nobody, nobody really thought they were going to go anywhere. I mean, I look, I, I was, I've said it a million times because I still can't believe it myself that they were actually underdogs to the Boston Bruins at home. And, and we had said a million times that, you know, I thought that they were going to win that series, but you know, to, to go ahead and dismantle the, the Rangers and, and it's almost like, it, there's something, and we all know, you know, they play the one-three-one. They make it very difficult, especially if they get the lead. And the neutral zone transition is very difficult at times. And they do a great job on that. And, and it, it's two things that are that are uh, need to be pointed out. First of all, I remember, you know, when the, when uh, obviously the new head coach was in Ottawa, and they said, "Well, geez, you know, how is Carlson going to compete um, uh, under that system?" and 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 honestly, I think this is the best that I have seen Carlson compete at or play at uh, 
uh, in all his years in the league. I mean, I think really this is his first opportunity for the rest of the rest of the people that may not watch hockey on a normal on a regular basis to say, "Wow, this guy is fantastic!" Because he is clearly the engine or the motor that makes this Ottawa Senator uh, team roll. But you know, it's funny if you go up and down their go up and down their lineup. And we could do this with just about every other team. We could say, okay, who is their superstar? It's Ovechkin. It's Crosby. I mean, we can do that. But take Carlson, who, who's you know a defenseman out of the out of the equation. Like, who is their superstar? And it's like, you know, I mean, Kyle Turris and and Mark Stone. You know, they don't really roll off the tongue as as superstars. And it's really amazing, amazing. Uh, what they've been able to do there. And I think they kind of just lulled the Rangers asleep. I also think there's some locker room issues going on with the Rangers as well. Um, and I think that, that when you go up against a team like Ottawa, that and I shouldn't say lull you to sleep because that's not to be confused with plays a complete team game, which is exactly what they do. Um, I think they frustrate teams that are made up of individuals. And I thought at times that the Rangers did that. And that, let's not also forget back in January, there was an article written, I don't know if it was in the Post or, or, or the, uh, the Daily News or one of those New York papers that basically said that, you know, the Rangers, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said that the, the Rangers need to find some guts and they, they need to find some commitment and there's some passion. And that's what I heard coming out of the locker room back in January. I think we kind of forgot about that, but but now we fast forward to them getting knocked out of the playoffs, and and those are kind of words that I I've come up with myself, and I think still apply. I mean, this is a team who has a thousand what a thousand plus games of playoff experience, and and look like you know it look like for at least uh, you know at least four of the games. You know, they look like they just were disinterested. I guess that's the best word, way to put it. That so, is, um, yeah, that is a good. As far as, as far as Ottawa is concerned, you know, all these people that think it's going to be a cakewalk against the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, <laughs> I, I there's, you know, I think obviously on Pittsburgh on paper, Pittsburgh is the better team. Pittsburgh's the team that I picked to win the Stanley Cup. But if you're going to tell me this is going to be a cakewalk, I couldn't disagree even more anymore. It's kind of a weird thing in Ottawa being – they're kind of the the stereotypical uh, stereotypical team where the, the sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts. And That's right. I think, That's right. I think stylistically, like you say, with the 1-3-1 and the, the, just the effective, efficient way that they do clog the neutral zone, I think maybe – they have that style that and no one's been able to do it. And I don't think you can, you know, the, the old saying, you can't stop them, but you can hope to contain them. They might have that style down to some neutralize the penguin speed in transition through the neutral zone. If they can force Pittsburgh into doing the dump and chase thing and, and, you know, hold the blue line, it could be a long series. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, just a couple of quick points being on here in New York. One, you know, this theory out there of uh, how did the Rangers lose this series? Clearly, they were so much the better team. Uh, you know, granted, obviously, you know, when you have a two-goal lead with less than four minutes to go, I don't care who you are, uh, you, you know, you know, when that game 99 times out of 100 and the Rangers let that slip away. But 
you know, keep in mind, game five was a 3-3 game uh, with seven minutes to go. And then, you know, the, at the end of the day, uh, at the key moments of this series, if it was uh, getting, a, getting a goal, uh, you know, making a key stop, making a key penalty kill, the Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators came up at the key moments, and the New York Rangers didn't. And when you go back and look at this series, I defy any Ranger fan to say, well, they were clearly the better team. But meanwhile, you know, Lundqvist, I would say, while was great against the Canadians, was good, not great in the second round. Matt Sucaro was terrific. And ironically, it was their role players like Jasper Foss and Michael Grabner. You go through all their other players, they were at best inconsistent. And, you know, and really, ironically, you know, the, the Senators uh, throughout the series had very little time with the lead. So they could they it wasn't until game six that they really got to use the strength of the 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 one three one that you guys were talking about. Um, and, and again, in game six, they were the team that came out that looked desperate, not the Rangers. It wasn't until the third period. I mean, that is an indictment on 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 the Rangers. I mean. Yes, the Oilers and the Capitals went home as well, but you saw how the Oilers responded, the young Oilers responded at Game 6 at home, how they played Game 7, and even the Capitals, how they responded in Game 6. And I don't think anyone could, you know, again, going back to that series real quick, those first six minutes, I mean, it was insane how well they played. They were all over Pittsburgh. I mean, they did everything but score two or three goals, which against most teams they probably would have. But that was lacking from the Rangers. It wasn't until the third period that they said, oh, boy, we're down two goals. This is an elimination game for us. We better get it going. I mean, that is that is scary, and they have a lot of issues. Uh, in terms of the next series with Pittsburgh, I agree with uh, what Dana said. I wouldn't sell this team short. I picked this team before the playoffs to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I like them against Boston. I liked them against the winner of Montreal and the Rangers. Uh, what I liked about this team is, is the depth. Yes, they don't have, quote-unquote, Eric Carlson's a superstar, but after that, uh, well, they got guys like Turris, and they have Hoffman, and they have Stone, and, and uh, they have Phaneuf, and, uh, you know, Craig Anderson and his story this year on and off the ice. Uh, and, and to be honest with you guys, I did not, when I thought of their depth, uh, of their team, I did not think that Bobby Ryan and Clark MacArthur were going to be coming along for the ride uh, in this post. Right, Mark MacArthur. How about they, that? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a great had. story all by itself, right? Yeah. So, uh, having said all that, if you told me this is going to be a long series, which I hope it is, I think they need to take Game One tonight. I think the Penguins coming off that killer series, especially from a physical standpoint. Uh, this is the game the Senators need to have. Game one, uh, the you know, they're a little banged up themselves, but they need to put their nose in front in this series and, uh, you know, something to watch for. I'm rooting for a long series and that. It's hard not to root uh, for the Ottawa Senators, to be quite honest with you. Well, let me get a little Vegas angle on that, uh, bring in the odds master here. What's the, what's the numbers for tonight's game and for the series in uh, the East? Dana? I, I'm sorry. I lost you for a second. Oh, okay. No, I was I was looking for uh, game one odds tonight, and then what what's the number on oh, the series okay. for? Yeah, well, Pittsburgh is a definitive favorite. I mean, anywhere between in, in the game tonight, 
they're a $2 favor. You can find them at like $1.85 in some offshore spots or $1.90 at the Westgate. But $2 looks like the – um, it looks like the average that they're that they're favored by, which is a huge favor, which just means uh, yeah. there's no involvement for me whatsoever, just because of the fact that you know even really if it was a, even a dollar forty, I mean I probably would sit back and and sit this one out. I want to see you know the residue of the previous series and how it affects the the next series moving forward. I mean I want to see you know is this Penguin team still. Uh, you know, still living in the in the second round, and as the Ottawa Senators are, are, are you know as much as much intensity as I think they're going to bring tonight, is that going to be enough? And so you say, well, you know, if, if they got to win this game, and I say, well, that may be true. I'm not sure they have to win, but it's if they lose, it would be in the manner in which they lost that would make me. Uh, either look to them in the second game or shy away from them. I, I think they could, you know, if we have a 1-1 game, uh, which I don't say, we'll, we'll take it for an example from what I think it's going to be. You know, if we have a 3-3 game, um, you know, late, and then they end up losing 5-3 because of a late goal and an empty netter, uh, that wouldn't cause me to shy away from the Ottawa Senators in game two. Uh, for the series price, of course, Pittsburgh is uh, is a $3 favorite. Uh, so they're a definitive favorite in that. And then tomorrow night, just looking ahead, uh, we have Anaheim as a dollar fifteen favorite over Nashville. Five over uh, shaded to or five shaded to the over minus thirty. Now, can we get can we get the Senators plus a goal and a half tonight? Yeah, you can absolutely. What's, the Senators what's plus that a, uh, Well, I mean, you're going to have to lay a dollar seventy five to do it. So. Uh, you can certainly do that if you no like value. Pittsburgh minus a dollar fifty-five. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, look, I, you take these one and a half, and you are going to give up. You're going to give up juice. That that's usually, yeah. I mean, at the very least, if you're if you're giving up anything less than a dollar seventy, dollar eighty, you're not getting a very good team to begin with. So about a dollar eighty, dollar seventy-five is about what I thought it would be. Um, and, but, you know, I don't have any interest in taking Ottawa and laying that kind of juice. And nor do I feel confident enough, uh, maybe I will after game one, uh, of taking Pittsburgh minus, a, minus one and a half, even though I'm getting 155, right. 160 back. No, I couldn't do that yet either. I, um, the, the looking ahead of the Anaheim, I'd like, I'm going to go out there and, and I like Nashville. I like Nashville that, uh, at that price. I don't see. I, I think Nashville's going to the conference finals myself. Um, I think I think Anaheim probably got a little bit of fluky luck in that game seven just to get past Edmonton. Really, um, I, I think Nashville. I think Nashville's on a mission myself, and and I like that in in uh, game two in Anaheim. What's what's the what's the series price at for that? Uh, the series price. Uh, let's see if I got that in front. I, I'm trying to pull that up, uh, but I okay. do know that the game price tomorrow night is a dollar fifteen. I know that. Uh, well, I will say this. Um, here's something significant: the fact that Nashville doesn't have home ice advantage, but they are and were going into Game One the the, the favor in the series. I think they were a dollar fifteen, dollar twenty series favorite. So they were the series favorite similar to the way that the Boston Bruins were the series favorite going into the right. Ottawa series. And we know how that ended, but, 
Yes, Nashville is uh, the second road team in this playoff uh, to be a favor in the series. And, of course, these things are, are based upon public perception and so much is made about the right, right. number of different scores that the, the Predators have had and how much scoring they're getting from the blue line. So public perception is right now that Nashville is the better team. Yeah, in terms of Anaheim, I'd make the one point about them, and I hear you, Mark, I'm with you in terms of the Predators winning this series, but I think it's going to be a long one. I've been very impressed with Anaheim's uh, heart and will in this series, and when they've had to come up with key moments they have, and I would dare to say playoffs for me uh, have been Eric Carlson and Ryan Getzlaff. So I expect Anaheim to uh, make this a long series. I would think they would win tomorrow night, uh, but don't quote me on that one. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I, I think this is going to go the full tilt seven games. And, uh, you know, I have no – you know, Nashville is definitely – I think of all the teams left, they have the best – they're the best bet to give a Pittsburgh a run for their money, a run for their money. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't short sell. I know they – even though it went to overtime last night, uh, and, but Nashville outplayed them. Uh, but again, a lot. still went to overtime. Yes. So, yeah, no, yep. they did, but still went to overtime. So again, that kind of says, and Anaheim found a way to tie it up in the third period. So again, kind of gets, and Anaheim's got a lot of a lot of players in that team. So uh, uh, I I think it's a, I think it's gonna be a long one. No moral victories in the playoffs, Chris. No, I, I, oh, having said having said all that, this this group of ducks, they need to get to the Cup final because. Uh, this is, you know, it, this is by far, they have a, a golden opportunity here, and they have to jump through that window. So I'm with you. I'm not saying, like, if they got to the seventh game, what a season. We, no, 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 no. They have to they have to get through through the series and get to the cup final, this group of ducks. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind uh, on that. So I, I'm just saying uh, I'm sure the Predators uh, will be the hot pick by most. I've seen most people pick them in six games. Uh, but the Ducks, they have to win this series, uh, the, the, this franchise of where they are at the here and now. Yeah, I will well, say go. one more one thing about that. I'm yep. interrupt you, but I, I just no, wanted to good. say one thing about that as well. Let Let's see. Uh, I mean, I expect there is, you know, like in, in most sports, the greatest transition is from game one to two. So, I mean, let's see how, um, you know, Anaheim adjusts to – um, to what Nashville is doing. I mean, obviously Nashville is a team that, you know, gets everybody involved offensively, which I don't think that they, that, that Anaheim has seen that type of hockey in the first couple of rounds. And also, you know, let's not forget maybe a little rest under their belt that they would be able to uh, come out and play even, uh, even better than they did in game one. And if, but, you know, I guess to play devil's advocate to my own point, you know, the, Nashville had 13 of the four, first 14 shots, and, and albeit the one shot was a goal. So if you took that away, perhaps they wouldn't have gone to overtime. You know, but but clearly during that microcosm of the game, Nashville uh, was tilting the ice on on Anaheim, and they just happened to get one that that probably should not have gone in on a normal basis. Well, I know um, you had way, Edmonton. The NHL didn't do- uh- the NHL didn't do the, uh, the didn't do the Ducks any favors, by the way, with that. Oh, isn't that unbelievable? Oh. Yeah, just saying. I, I, I'm not trying to make. I'm not. I don't go. care if the Ducks. No, nope, that's right. Uh, You're right. Uh, but but uh, let's be. Let's call it like it is. That yep. that was uh, 
you know, you got to give them. You got to get. I don't care who the team is. When you get to the conference finals, you got to give them forty-eight hours off. I'm sorry, but I thought the league would start tonight and the first two games, game one, to be Saturday and Sunday. But maybe there were building issues. I don't know. I'm just saying. No, I agree. Know. I I agree. Well, um, I I thought for sure the West would start after the East, but um, well, Chris. In addition yeah. to that. The league didn't do him any favors by starting this game at 6 o'clock. People were stuck in yeah. traffic. There were thousands of seats available at 6 o'clock. You're watching this game on TV, and hardly anybody's in the building because they're stuck in traffic uh, on, on a Friday night. Uh, to me, yeah. Yeah. if you're going to have home ice advantage, and I understand this league is run by television, and you know, I guess we care about the East Coast watching the, watching the Ducks game, but the fact of the matter is they also did a disservice to the Ducks starting this game at 6 rather than at 7.05. Well, that's because all, all the real hockey fans in Southern California couldn't make it down the five freeway from Los Angeles in time huh. to get to the start of the game. They're on the golf course. Wow, that was crickets right there. That fell. That, that one fell hard. It, anyway, uh, I did want to go back because cause Edmonton, um, Edmonton was your pick to – to represent the West in the in the Stanley Cup final, Dana. Um, yep. Do you think? Do you think they got what the most out of of what they could? Um, and when it got when it comes to Game Seven, you get a lucky bounce here, unlucky bounce there, and and the chips fell on the other side. Um, do, you, do you think they got the most out of what of their personnel and 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 where they well, are in their development? Well, I think on the outside, they probably would not tell you so, but you know. I, I think in a couple months when they look back on this thing, and you know, just similar to similar to Toronto, I think they look back on this thing and say, "Look, man, they we we had a fantastic year." I mean, considering where they were two years ago, you know, they get a full season out of Connor McDavid, and you know, obviously he was a hundred point guy, and I, the future is absolutely bright. But I do caution people when they talk about, and, and it seems like every time I turn on the NHL Network, it's it's thirty minutes of Toronto Maple Leaf talk. But I do caution people by saying, you know, yeah, we, we do anticipate Edmonton just moving forward, and we do anticipate Toronto moving forward. But don't sit there and think that, you know, that teams like, you know, we talk about St. Louis and where they're going. Well, you know, it's like everybody else is looking to improve too. So, yes, they, they have a fantastic future ahead of them. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, like in St. Louis's case where – you know, they, they now have to deal with the Ben Bishop in their division. Um, I don't I, – do I feel like that they're going to be a fantastic team and coming up next year? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not going to sit there and, you know, anoint them Stanley Cup champions next year just because of Connor McDavid or the postseason that they had because everybody in that division is looking to get better as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. don't forget that the Central's – I was just Go ahead. to pick you up that point. If you look at uh, for both the Maple Leafs and the Oilers coming off rebuilding jobs, and and the future looks bright, and it does. But you know we've had we've seen in the last few years teams like the Panthers this year, and, and you know they thought this was going to be a big year for them. Teams like the Blue Jackets, and the Islanders, Dallas as well, kind of go through it. Yeah, Dallas as well uh, as an as another team. Now in terms of Edmonton. Uh, being in a division that's going to have an expansion franchise next year and two teams that are in, in, it's just starting a rebuild, they have a, you know, still a lot of things would have to go wrong. Having said that, you know, you know they went into these playoffs 
with total house money, no pressure. This time, you know, going into the preview season next fall, everyone's going to like, well, they got to make the Western Conference Finals at least. Right. So if the Oilers go into next playoffs and, God forbid, they play well but lose a seven-game series in the first round, oh, my God, what is going on? Toronto has a little bit tougher case when you look at the Eastern Conference and the the, the depth, the, the greater depth there. And, you know, let's remember, they made the playoffs by one point over two teams. So, uh, again, when you say their future, I agree. The next five, six years, it's going to be very bright. They're going to have some sh- shots. that try- They're going to get better. But would it surprise me uh, that, you know, come after the first round next year, Neither team was in the second round. No, not 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 in the least. But yeah, you can't you can't argue with this season uh, with the Oilers uh, that they had. I would have liked to seen guys like Nugent Hopkins and Everly be uh, be more visible, if you will, uh, during yeah. these playoffs. Yeah. I, I would probably would say that would be the only uh, you know. Even McDavid. Drysaddle was a yeah. Drysaddle, McDavid, and their role players and Talbot were great. But uh, but some of those you know other other high picks uh, you wanted to see more out of them and and you have to wonder you know is it possible one of them can be moved in the off season? No, I, I wanted to see more out of McDavid. There's times, um, especially in the Anaheim series, where I'd say he was neutralized um, to a certain extent. I I still feel that the Edmonton Oilers are a couple pieces away. One of those pieces being, um, I'm not, Cam Talbot's a, a fine goaltender. Can he win a Stanley Cup? I'm not sure. Um, he's He's got to be the guy that can steal you. You know, every, every, Marc-Andre Fleury stole games so far. Um, Pekka Rene has stole games so far. I just don't know if Cam Talbot can get to that level that that the team needs to where <coughs> excuse me if if there's there you know you're going to have off nights here and there um can can they rely on that goaltender to steal a game when you're not playing your best in the playoffs I'm not sure he's that guy um I'd like to see another top four defender in there um and I by that I mean a stay at home defenseman who can who can help out on the penalty kill and and clear the front of the net a little more aggressively than what I saw. And there were times in the Anaheim series where um, they were just swarming and there, there wasn't that presence. And I think those two pieces need to be addressed before we can start talking about Oilers winning Stanley Cups again. What do you think, Dana? Well, I can tell you one thing about Talbot. I mean, I've said this all year, and I give him a lot of credit for the year that he had, but I, I don't need my goaltender playing 73 games. I really no, don't. no, that's a good I mean, point. That's a good point. You know, uh, he needs some time off. I mean, that was that was always the issue with Tuka Rask in Boston. I mean, it's like you you can never take Tuka out because you would never you would I I think it was like midway through or like three quarters of the way through before a, a backup won a won a game in Boston. I just don't need my goaltender playing seventy three games and and you know let's see what happens with Broussard and you know I think he or was why I guess he what he had eight games last year or something like that. So I need my backup to give me a little bit more, you know, similar to what they got, the situation in Chicago, just too much. So I give him a lot of credit for the <coughs> amount of games that he played played this year, you know, having, you know, save percentage around 92% is, you know, goals against is acceptable. I mean, I think he did a fantastic job. The other thing I would say is, 
I think in the playoffs, though, I think you have a lot of guys that we we really didn't talk about during the regular season. Like we didn't talk about a Drake Kajula. We didn't talk about um, you know Drysaddle very much. Uh, Cassian has kind of gone gone you know into the shadows a little bit, but we certainly talked about him in the early round. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going to come to camp next year with uh, some renewed confidence that should also help. Uh, and the flip side of that is, and I've been a huge proponent of this, I mean, I just think that I, I think the world of Milan Lucic and I think the world of, of Peter Shirelli. And I think when you have a guy like Lucic that says, yeah, you know what, I, I, really, um, I really believe in what they're doing in Edmonton. I'm going to sign in Edmonton. And at the time, Hey, look, I mean, there was no, uh, you know, there, there was no glimpse of Stanley Cup hopes at the time. They certainly, you know, had the, the piece in, in McDavid, but he went there on, on blind faith. Well, now they're, they're pretty close to where they want to be. I think they're, like you said, a few pieces away, and I think that's going to be a little bit easier to maneuver free agents their way, knowing that they're, they're really on the cusp of, of doing something large. You know, you made, you made a good point. Um, I wanted to throw minutes. back. Sure. Go ahead, Mark. Rock paper scissors go. No. Uh, last week we had the making of uh, the author, the author of the making of Smashville, Justin Bradford on, and I asked him what was it that that you know Pecorini. We haven't seen this elevation in his game come playoff times, and he made this exact same point you just did, Dana, was that, you know, when you, when you go into the playoffs and you've played 66, 70, 71 games, you don't have that other gear. Um, and this year he only played 59 games. Um, so the, his his observation was that, that Pecorini is fresher than he has ever been going into the playoffs. Right. And he thinks that's a – that's the big reason why he's able to come up uh, to that next level, like uh, like we're seeing him do. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, and the last well, the point I wanted to make on the Oilers too is again I alluded to it before, but when you know, I look at this division, the next three four years out, it's gonna as guys as we know, it's gonna take Vegas some time to build up a team that's going to be able to win, uh, be a force in the playoffs. Again, you Dude, we got Vadim Chipikov. We're already there. Did I do better on his name, Dana? Is that, a, is that how you pronounce the <laughs> you name, know, Chipikov? You know what's funny about that? Is I thought about I've heard... that probably like three times during the week, and, I, I, and it wasn't, <laughs> I didn't mean it as a rip on you because I've heard it so many people. I've heard it every which way. way. Even I had... I had the, the, the pronunciation in an email, and, and it, it's, it's Shippashoff. That's how you say it. But I've heard Shippashoff, and, and, and I guess it's a matter of how much emphasis you put on the, the A-U pronunciation right. in the middle, even though that's not the spelling. So, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with something that rolls off the tongue well, and I'm sure he'll change his name anyway once he gets here. Let's just call him Shippy and, and be done with it. But no, see, see, Chris, we're 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 all good. We're gonna get Davidoff. Uh, we're good. We're good. Well, just to finish but, it but up on the to Oilers, your point, to your point. Yeah, in terms of uh, again, Vancouver, Arizona, really got a, got some time to go on their rebuild. With all due respect, your Kings, while they're not gonna fall flat on their face, uh, they they have a depth issue. On they got a lot of work, and they have a. They got a lot of work to do. And, you know, the Sharks no, and Ducks, no question. 
uh, are, are are an older team. Uh, they're all, when yep. you look at the core of those players, I mean, Terry and Getzoff are 32 going on 33. You know, uh, even Burn Burns is 32, and Pavelski and, and such. And, you know, while the Flames have a lot of talent, they, they have a lot of, lot of long way to go, too, in terms of being a dominant force in terms of the playoffs. So when I look at that division, you know, I, I can see a number of appearances in the conference finals. Now, whether or not at that point they'll be built uh, strong enough to beat, you know, the elite teams of the league those years, we'll see. But uh, I think I think where they're positioned is really going to help them moving forward. Well, let's uh, let's uh, if you guys don't have anything else on on either of these, let's pick them. Um, I'll I'll lead it off and throw it out on throw my neck on the line. Sort of, not really. I'm going Nashville, Pittsburgh. I'll take, I'll take Nashville in in seven. I don't think the Ducks could possibly win two game sevens in one calendar year. Um, no offense, Ducks fans, but uh, you got to show me. Don't tell me on that one. They they did get the puck lock in in game seven against the Oilers, but uh, let's see if they have that same puck lock against a, a little bit, a bit more of a experienced grizzled squad. Um, so I'll, I will take the Predators in seven, and I, I am going to say six uh, with the Penguins. I, th- I think it's a tight series early, but I think Pittsburgh Pittsburgh cracks the code, if you will, on the Ottawa Senators and finishes them off in in six. So my 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 Stanley Cup is Nashville and Pittsburgh. Uh, go ahead, Chris. What do you got? Yeah, I would love to pick the Ducks in the series, but at the end of the day, uh, even though I think it's going to be a long series, uh, Rene versus uh, Gibson, um, I got to go with Rene. I'm going to say Nashville in, in seven, uh, and I, I feel by saying that, I'm giving the Ducks a lot to do. Uh, in terms of Pittsburgh, Ottawa, uh, the one thing I will say, unlike the Rangers, if Pittsburgh gets up on you, they're relentless. They keep coming. Uh, the Rangers yeah. uh, didn't. Uh, Pittsburgh is not going to be that. I would love to see this be in a long series. I've been on the Ottawa bandwagon from the get-go of these playoffs. I just don't see it. Pittsburgh in five. Five. All right, Dana, what do you got, buddy? Well, I got obviously I got to stay with Pittsburgh. I mean, I think there are just uh, – I, I think if Pittsburgh loses a series, it's a matter of – you know, Pittsburgh beating themselves, if that happens. I mean, they're clearly the better of the two teams. They clearly, even with the Latang injury, they clearly have uh, more – just their depth is incredible. They roll four lines out at you. I mean, you honor, uh, you know, arguably, I guess, if you want to sit there and have an argument about the best players in the world. But, you know, I, I'm – you got Sidney Crosby in the bed of Evgeny Malkin on the same team. I'm good with that. And, oh, by the way, Phil Kessel's pretty good and – Connor Sheary and, and Gensel has jumped up. And, you know, it's amazing to me. And we, I said this last week. It's just amazing to me where Pittsburgh find, continuously finds these guys and they continuously draft low. And that's why, you know, look, if Vegas is drafting six, who cares? So, I mean, they're going to get a great player. And there's no doubt about it. It's what you do with the player after. What kind of, what kind of system are you going to run with it? You know, so six to me is not that big of a deal. I give the Penguins a lot of credit. I, I, Look, I, I'm going to go with in with six just because I, I just think 
Ottawa's going to get a few, a, a couple of these. And I, I don't think it's going to be because Pittsburgh, I mean, they were better than Pittsburgh on that night. I think it's just going to be one of those games where they get an early lead, maybe a, maybe even a 2 nothing lead, and they just go into that defensive shell and make it very difficult for Pittsburgh to get some room. And it's also got to be a night where the Penguins just take take a mental break. So uh, Pittsburgh in six to me, I, I like Nashville, of course, of course, you know, it's easy to say when they're up one nothing, and, and of course, you know, I want to be, you know, uh, give, uh, be, you know, honest about it. I had the Edmonton Oilers to win, so um, it's not like I picked Nashville all to, from from uh, the beginning. But you know, they move the puck so well. Everybody is involved. Um, this uh, this power play unit is as crisp as I've seen, maybe going back to you know, some of the early Crosby days in Pittsburgh or even going back to the Lemieux days in Pittsburgh where they just the power play was, the, the passing was relentless and they knew where everybody was on the ice. And that's kind of the way I feel when, when I watch Nashville. Um, I, I, I didn't think I would be saying this six months ago, but I just liked the matchup with Pekka Rene and John Gibson. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be Nashville. And I think Pittsburgh wins that series. And I think they win that series in seven. Hey guys, one last point on the pink on the on the Penguins. Has anyone had a tougher path to get to the conference finals than them, beating the Blue Jackets, who are one of the top teams uh, this That's year, right. That's and right. the Capitals? Yeah, yeah I mean, ever? And, you know this this was always the argument about the playoffs to me, and I understand that because it's the way it's worked out this year, and because. You know, the Metro was so strong, and, you know, everybody just saying, oh, they should never, you should never have Washington and Pittsburgh in the second round. Well, you know, that's that's kind of the way it worked out, okay? So everybody's got to beat everybody. And in, instead of having an easy path early on, they will have a perceived early path later later on. So, yeah. look, you got to beat the teams that are in front of you. I'm not, I, you know, I don't think we need this. Yeah, what I would – do I think two 100-point teams should be playing in the first round? Yeah, probably not. But, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got to win their games. And usually the team that holds the Stanley Cup at the end, there's no excuse. They were the best team in the league no matter how they got there. No, I'm I'm saying more from an impressive standpoint of they're in the conference finals. Yeah, and they had to be completely. Two, two, yeah. two, two killer teams to get there. So, uh, uh, But maybe maybe from an Ottawa standpoint, uh, it's, it's taking a little bit out of them. It, it is a going one. I will say there was an eighth seed back around, oh, I don't know, 2012, who beat the first, second, yeah, and third go. seeds uh, <laughs> out of their conference and the third seed from the from the East. So uh, I, I guess there might have been a team recently who had a, a little bit tougher time, but uh, I forget recently who they is, were. Yeah, recently is really tough. Well, look at look at their history though. Forty-seven years without one. So in the last five, I could say that's recently. Well, they weren't the recent eighth seed, were they? No, in that was a little while back. I, I guess yeah. if we're comparing it to a span of geological time, then hey, it, it's very recent. It is recent. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, hey, it, hey, it, uh, as a Bruins, to, is it compared to what you had for breakfast? No, but. Not that recent. <laughs> no. Hey, believe me, uh, as a uh, former or secondary Bruins fan, I'm still hanging on the 2011 like it was yesterday. So I, I hear what you're saying. 
<laughs> Absolutely, as well you should, sir. And speaking of breakfast, I slammed a big bowl of crunch berries with chocolate milk. So, um, oh. yeah, yeah, dude, That's I did. Breakfast of champions, right there. Oh man, yeah, it was. I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, I was trying to get up for the show and get a little sugar rush, and boy, did yeah, I! Yeah, you got you it. <laughs> I use coffee. Well, I had yeah. uh, uh, three big jugs of, of cappuccino out of the K cup to go with it. So uh, maybe oh, I'm gonna good. go jump in this ice cold pool right now and and settle down a little bit. But uh, well, anyway, what me, else? I, is... I needed it. I, I needed it this morning because I got up at three o'clock to watch Team USA. Nice timing. I was I was yeah I was up at four. Caught a little bit of that. Congrats to Team USA. Another win. Um, second second in second in their pool. If you find Russia, um, be looking forward to that matchup if and when that happens. Well, that's going to happen because they're in the same pool, so they have to play each other. Right, right. That, is that the next or is that the following game? Do you know? I got to put the DVR on uh, for that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me uh, keep talking. I'll give you the answer here in a second. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll be the first time I get to see Shippy play, so I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. Where Chris, what are your final thoughts? Where does this here? come from? Oh, I got it. I got it. Just uh, we got to we got to have some kind of nickname. We can't call him Vadimi. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, USA plays Slovakia we'll tomorrow. How about Chippy? So they'll play we'll Slovakia tomorrow. Uh, they do play Russia on Tuesday. Okay, that'll be a DVR game for me. But uh, for sure, you know what's you know what's interesting and and. I've heard you and Brian go back and forth about this a little bit regarding international play in, in Korea and whatever. But um, if if you need any questions about how the players feel, and they're going to tell you most of them, I know the Ovechkins of the world are saying, I don't care, I'm going. But most of them will just kind of go, we'd really like to be there. If the NHL decides we can yep. go, it's an honor. Right. Uh, but they don't really let you see that passion. If you finish, if you start skating in, in the, the third week of August and you skate night in, night out for 82 games, and then you get back to the second round of the playoffs, the next day you're on a plane to Paris to join your national team. Um and play in the world championships while the season's still going on. If there's any question about who really wants to go and, and, and play international hockey, you don't have to, you don't have to listen to the sound bites and you don't have to listen to the talking heads. You watch these players at the end of the season. I saw Grubauer get off a plane after, uh, yep. you know, another crushing second round defeat and a couple other of them. I mean, they got off the plane and, and, played i think went straight to the rink and and laced up and skated uh canada had someone come and join join the team so i mean it, it's, it's it's Lundquist it's, it's Sweden. there you go these Lundquist are the biggest stars of the game these aren't these are these aren't the pluggers. all those guys are there yeah these aren't these aren't pluggers okay these are the biggest stars in the game um so if, if there's any question by anybody um, you let those actions speak for themselves. And if, if the NHL does not find its way into Korea, um, I'll tell you right now, don't blame the players. It's, 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 uh, it's all about money. It's all about uh, Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League. It's not about the players. 
Oh, no, I mean, it's not about the players for sure, but I don't, you know, I, I wish I was more definitive about my opinion on this. You know, I, I, I see both sides. I get it. And it's kind of for me, whatever happens, happens. But I will say this, that I, I first of all, I, I know that Ovechkin's voice speaks pretty loudly when it comes to uh, Olympic participation. But on the flip side of that, you know, the fact remains, if you don't want to go, who's going to come out and say that? So we really don't know how many people would rather not go and really take that time off to, you know, to, or, you know, I mean, not have to go halfway across the world to, to play hockey and so they stay home to play hockey. We're never going to know the guys that would rather stay home because there's no way they're going to publicly say that. that that's true. That's a good point. But the, the, the guys that don't want the NHL to go <coughs> are probably the guys that wouldn't be going anyway. And they don't want to stop playing hockey. For the for the three weeks it would take, um, they're the guys that would that would just go home and and watch their countrymen uh, represent their teams. Those are the guys that are probably the guys that are saying, "Well, never mind." But uh, anyway, uh, I got off on so a little bit of a tangent get, there. I, I would love to get a, get a poll, uh, a true poll uh, among right. uh, amongst players, and say, "Let me ask you this: Is it more important to win Olympic gold or a Stanley Cup?" And, and I think that that, you know, a lot of people would definitively say the Stanley Cup. And, you know, certainly I think that if it was the NBA, it would be the NBA cha- championship, world championship. Um, right. I don't know what that figure would be in hockey. I really don't. Because I think if you talk to Americans or um, I think most Americans would probably rather win the Stanley Cup because it's just, I don't know, it's it's what I know for myself as a fan, that's kind of what I, that was the, the pinnacle of, of hockey. And so, um, you know, if they go, obviously we're going to have a, you know, United States is going to have a fantastic team and we, we would love to, to represent our country in the sport and uh, obviously, but at the same time, you know, I mean, if, if this was a year, say that the, that the golden Knights were, uh, in first place and, you know, headed, headed for a number one seed in the West and, you know, we happen to, to, to get whoever the star is on our team hurt or just isn't the same when he came back. Uh, I, I, I think come Stanley Cup playoff time, maybe I would think that might not have been worth it. No, I, I mean, the injuries are always the one concern, right? I mean, it affected Florida a great deal this year from international play to start the season and and a bunch of other teams too, but um, I'll, I'll miss it. But you know what? I also like to see what kind of rosters do get put together, uh, the USA specifically, um, out of the college ranks and, and you know, internationally as well. I'd like to see ooh, how that tournament turns out as well. You know, anything in a USA sweater I'm watching, um, uh, curling, uh, the badminton in the Summer Olympics, whatever it is, if it's in a USA jersey, I'm going to watch it. So it'll be interesting to see what does get put together out of that. Chris, let me, uh, you got any final thoughts before we let Dana go? We're running out of time here, buddy. Just real quick, a uh, one sentence point on this topic. For me personally, as a fan, uh, I get the most out of the Olympics, uh, when it's amateur versus amateur. So, uh, uh, if you had all the kids in various countries yep. playing hockey uh, or skiing, uh, that's the most interest. Pros against pros in any sport, uh, that to me, that's not what the Olympics are about. I agree. I, I mean, the, the I fell in love with hockey from the 1980 Olympic team. It's well documented, and that's 
Um, I, well, I, I'd love, I'd love to see what gets put together. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, in, in terms of the American team, yeah, old kids. You know, I think I think if you want to do the the whole pros thing, I think the World Championships is a great venue for that. As long, it, yep. it's too bad that they can't all be involved because the season's still going on. But uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose too much sleep over it. I'm gonna watch it, and hey, maybe we'll get a little preparation in for our uh, our draft preview show here coming up or next year. So who knows? Anyway, Dana, Dana, final thoughts, sir, and I'll let you go. Uh, final thoughts is I like the over in tonight's game. You're getting a uh, plus money uh, on that, and uh, let's all right. see. Uh, I think we're I think we're going to have a physical game, and I think we're going to have a few power plays, and that usually equals an over. Saturday night special from Dana Lane of SBRSports.com. Over on tonight's game, ladies and gentlemen, you got you got a free free pick. Make sure you check out Dana at Dana Lane NHL. If you're here in Las Vegas, tune in to fourteen hundred AM every weekday, one to two PM. Catch Brian and Dana break down all the latest Golden Knights news, as well as all the topics from the hockey world. And Chris, as we said before. Follow his Islanders writing yeah. on islesfs.com. You have a new article dropped. You wanted to, to touch on that for a second? Yeah, we're doing uh, a couple. i am done a couple of draft uh, profile previews, uh, one of which is on Kyler Yamamoto, who could go to the Kings at 11 or could slip past them. I have a new one coming out on Monday on Cal Foote, uh, the son of Adam Foote. And in terms of the Vegas shows, please check out our latest shows in terms of it's the mock expansion show, our NHL lottery show, uh, also previewing the draft. And we're working on, we have one guest locked in, one surprise locked in, and working on our final guest for our, our annual uh, mock uh, draft show, which will probably be about a week before the draft. So uh, we'll keep you posted on those details. All right. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Vegas Hockey Pod. Uh, go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, and thehockeywriters.com. Click on follow, leave us a review. It always helps to, to get your feedback. Um, and that's about all I got for this week. Dana, thanks for giving us the whole hour of your day, sir. We do appreciate Absolutely. you joining us. Yeah, not a problem. I always I, I love doing it. I'm just uh, sitting there watching. Uh, Watching Canada, so it's fine. We could go forever. All right, buddy. Well, we'll we will we'll we'll talk at you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. For Dana and Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.